0: You are listening to the Talking Tough Podcast, the world's toughest men and women at their most vulnerable. Their stories of triumph, their falls from grace, and their climb back to the top, to life. This is Rick Bassman here for Talking Tough on the Podcast One Network. Uh, Myself being the exception to the rule, I would say, but... Hey, maybe somebody will tell me differently if I have any luck. We're back on Talking Tough. We've, uh, we've been on hiatus for four months. Our format has changed. You are now looking at the tough guy's version of the view. Uh, we'll see what the response is to that. Uh, without any uh, further messing around, let's get right in and introduce, uh, I, can't, I was about to say guests, these aren't guests. This is the permanent four-man panel for Talking Tough. First, a friend that I'm happy to say is a great friend, who I've got to travel the world with uh, pretty much every continent except for Antarctica. I think uh, we've adventured all over the world together. This guy is an icon and he, uh, he's traversed the boxing ring, the octagon caves, the K one ring, uh, knock, Bart gun, out cold at WrestleMania, immortalized and uh, the big screen as an animated character. He is larger than life literally and figuratively. But most of all, to me, I just know him as an incredibly good human being. My good friend, Eric Ash Butterbean. Hey, thanks, Rick. Uh, I want to introduce a new friend to me. I just just
1: recently met him. His name's Sugar Sean Ray. Uh, he's been in over 30 major body competition, 30. Now that means he don't get to eat like I get to He has to starve his damn self. But he's been featured in a, a bunch of documentaries Ray's also written a book, The Sugar Sean Ray Way. So, look that up, guys. He's also (laughs) the creator for the only fundraising charity for bodybuilders. Sean has also helped raise money and donate money to the Children's Hospital of Orange County. And, Sean, we appreciate that.
2: Right on, man. It's all about the kids, bro. I feel the same way, my friend. Had a good run. Retired now and eating I'm trying to catch up to you. But in the meantime, our other badass comes to us by way of mixed martial arts. Boss Rootin' by way of the Netherlands, now out in California, married with two kids. And uh, kickboxer, MMA, pro wrestler, UFC, former heavyweight champion in the Hall of Fame. Has the gift of gab as a color commentator. I like that. smart too, right? In the Hall of Fame, uh, an action uh, actor. And uh, overall, pretty much doing the business of uh, promoting and coaching as well. Uh, give it up for Boss Rudin. Hey.
3: <sighs> I do it for myself. I get a lot of grip, guys. First of all, this should have been one big shampoo and conditioner commercial, right? I mean, look at our hats. We're all freaking <laughs> bald guys. guys bald <laughs> is beautiful, man. Rick Bassman. dude. We go back a long time. I mean, and 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 this person is so amazing because. The things that he went through at an early age with cancer, we were going to all talk about it, I guess, you know, in one of the upcoming shows or maybe in this show. It's really pretty amazing. And then even he did a pro wrestling match against, uh, what's his, Shinya Hashimoto, and it was in the Korakuen Hall. And I know that because I actually fought there a bunch of times in the Korakuen Hall below the Tokyo Dome in uh, Tokyo, Japan. So, uh, yeah, that's really good. That's our connection there, and I know Rick for a long time now. Eric Ash, I mean, the first time we met was on a plane. I remember that going to uh, Prince George in, um, in in Canada. We were at yep. some event. I don't even remember what event it was. But it was cool to have you because I was always a big fan of the four-rounder, the king of the four-rounders, man. But not about your boxing. Oh, of course, about your boxing, but your attitude on life. That was always something that I, I was really mesmerized with. So uh, a, a funny story about Eric. We were doing a show one time, Mixed March arts for the International Fight League. And a week before, apparently, Eric had uh, been fighting there, boxing, and some guy from uh, mixed martial arts said, oh, how did he pass his medical test? And then your commissioner, he said, well, actually, to tell you the truth, from all the blood work that we had, he had one of the best blood works coming back from all the professional fighters. So that was a nice thing to hear as well. Sean Ray, Sean Ray, the first time I heard your name, Oh, that's a long time ago. I will be like 89, something like that, because I don't know if you know her, but uh, Laney Tops. Lenny Tops was a female bodybuilder, a Dutch champion, and she was a close friend of mine together with her uh, husband, Jan van Kalsbeek. And Jan van Kalsbeek told me to watch out for you because you're going to be on the scene. And I believe that you became, I don't know, I think in the 90s, the Mr. Olympia, you, you placed third there. You yeah. know, so that was the first one. So he was right. He was right. He said, you know, keep your eyes on this guy. This guy's going to go somewhere. So, uh, not a great story about that. John Focalsmate, not a great story. He passed away, unfortunately. Uh, but he told me before he passed away, you can watch be there. So every time when I walk into fight and you see me pointing up, that's actually to that guy. He was the husband from uh, Lady Tops, the bodybuilder. So, guys, I love being on with you guys. Hey, you know yeah, what? You um,
4: know,
1: well, I I'm the baddest ass on planet that I know. I'll, I'll tell you what. You go into a bar, you're looking, looking, at the, looking for the baddest guy in there. You're not going to be the one being spotted, but by far, you are one of the baddest men in the bar. I guarantee it.
0: Being, you know, it's funny. Boss, <laughs> boss, to me, look, there's a lot of people that want that title of, like, the baddest man on the planet. Or the toughest yep. guy who ever lived, you know, was it Bruce Lee, whoever it was. But, you know, I, I I would put my money on Boss as much as anybody. And on a personal note, Boss, I have to say this, that it's like, but Bean will tell you this. Bean lets me, like, pick on him. I can jump on his back. I can try to choke him. I can't get my arms around his neck. but I don't have the but let me try and I, I used to punch i punched mike tyson twice in my lifetime and he laughed both times of course he laughed <laughs> the only person that ever hit me back when i did that was boss rootin and you didn't try to hurt me it's like a little tap on my leg and it's like 20 years later i'm still feeling that damn thing man <laughs> oh my God. i am well, like the idea that boss
2: co- <laughs> is coaching and and giving back uh, that's huge because it, it it opens the door for the next badass coming up down the way, and and Butterbean, just looking at you, I would be you couldn't pay me enough money to get in the ring. I'm
1: out. Well, like I said, I'm scary looking. Bosses, is,
0: boss is not scary looking, but he's he's a badass. That's, that's yeah.
4: Come
0: <laughs> you know what's really cool about that, Sean? Like you know, in in your world, I mean, you're. You're a legend, man. I, you and I don't really know each other yet. I go back with Boss a long ways and Butterbean. So glad to have you part of this group, Sean. I really am. I, we've met a couple times throughout the years. You may or may not remember, and that's okay. Um, but it, it's like it's a blessing to have you here because your reputation precedes itself. You're known not only as a champion, but as a gentleman and a guy who does give back. I mean, that, that's so attached to your reputation. And, you know, I feel already like a, you're such a great fit for this group. And look at this group. Wow, you guys. I, I'm like, I feel pretty humbled to be part of it. So thank you all for, for being here and now being part of this uh, this quartet that we have. This is going to be great.
3: I think so too, man. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. And once we start introducing some guests also, and fun guests, of course, because I leave that up, up to you guys. I have some crazy friends that we want to interview trust me and we're going to hear some cool stories so can't wait for that as well
0: yeah you know that I've got a list I know we all have our hit list and I think we're gonna have some people on the show that'll blow people's minds I did notice that we're getting a lot of comments already as we got started here so hey people out there if you have ideas for guests for us you know the the more outrageous the better Throw them up there on the screen let's uh let's hear your ideas for sure But but I got I got a question that I got to get out, Rick, right off the top,
2: because uh, watching what Boston Butterbean did during their careers was nothing short of amazing. But I want to ask, uh, boss, who who was the toughest fight for you? Like, who did you get in the ring? And was there somebody that you kind of you had the butterflies a little bit nervous, uh, maybe even unsure? What, What was the toughest fight for you, bro?
3: Um, you know, I had an, uh, what, what a tough fight. Okay, my, my fight against Kevin Randleman, um, that was a tough fight. It was for the UFC title. That was a very close fight. I'm actually going to help uh, induct him in the UFC uh, Hall of Fame next week. So that's a, that's a cool little thing. Unfortunately, he passed away too soon. Uh, but my first one that I had was I lost my third fight by way of a toehold. And for the people at home who don't know what a toehold is, It's not grabbing a toe. I saw somebody break his shin bone with the toe hold. So it's it's a gnarly move. And I had no clue about submissions. And this guy beat me with it. And it hurt a lot. I do know that. And then I had a rematch with him. And now I acquired all my submission skills. So that was my second title defense against Funaki. And then somehow he came in and he was totally out of character. He stood right in front of me and he slid his throat like this. In the ring, and I'm looking at my manager because I never had a coach. I only remember my manager. I said, dude, I'm going to kill this guy. Um, who would do that? You know, I was so angry. And he said, no, you got to stay calm. I said, don't worry. I'll work calm. I said, but watch. Once I see an opening, I'm going to just – and that guy, I mean, it went to th- – they say it's my best fight and his best fight. I think I knocked him down four times. There were eight counts in the style that I was fighting in, in Japan – but my palms were black and blue. My knees were bruised from kneeing him in the face. And then the final knee, was literally, I grabbed him by the hair. And then I kneed him in the face as hard as I could. And that's when he finally stayed down. But every time when he would go down, the whole audience would go, like, Funaki. And then he would get up again. And i go, shut up. You know, because every time he got up again, yeah. That was a tough fight because I was starting to run out of gas.
0: Can we find um, that? You watch that fight. that fight if you get a chance, man. Funaki, it's it's a freaking classic. And the Japanese fans, holy cow. It's just like, it's a different breed. I, I remember um, being in Bean's Corner, the, the final Pride show ever, ever. And, you know, you're there with legendary Japanese. Butterbean absolutely had the biggest audience response that night, including the Japanese. And if I, <laughs> didn't you submit? You submitted a 400-pound mixed martial arts fighter named Zulu Zeno in front of a yeah. Japanese crowd. And, boss, I don't know if you know this. You may have been commentating. I'm not even sure. But Butterbean's first submission victory on the final show of Pride ever against a 400-pound submission artist in front of 70,000 people. That was not not horrible. What was the submission? Butterbean
1: come alive. Uh, Keylock. Keylock.
0: Keylock.
2: Whoa. (laughs) I love it. Who was was your toughest, Butterbean? I want to hear from you. Who Who was the toughest fight for you when you were out there? I mean, you find a lot
1: you of. Know, probably, probably the trickiest was Larry Holmes when I went a boxing match because I didn't I'd done everything to aggravate him prior to going into the fight. like I had to deal with the promoter. I was going out last which you know the bigger name, which at the time Holmes was a bigger name. I mean so but but he he was so mad by the time he got to the ring. And I kept trying to get him to engage me, and he would never engage me. So it made it really difficult because he run and jab. And Larry Holmes had the best jab out there. I mean, he was amazing. But in the second round, hit me with a straight right. It was a solid punch. I just my first instinct was to smile at him and say, "Is that the best you got, old man?" And that was the biggest mistake I made in the fight because I scared him. <laughs> uh, and I got to just run from me, Then you know, the then my nerves were kind of you know. I'm going now I got to figure out how to catch him and I'm not a runner. I don't like
0: to chase people. Mm-hmm. I know that look on your face when you get hit and you smile at somebody. I've uh, got to see that many times up close. Sean, I want to I want to ask you a quick. Let's do this for each of us real quickly. So, just to catch uh, the folks up that are watching, we've got a good uh, we've got a good audience on already. This is great. Why don't we just do a quick minute check-in for each of us? You know, keep it to a minute if we can, just on like, what we're up to and what we're what we're doing in life at, at present, you know, the highlights. Sean, what, what's going
2: on with you, man. I just recently signed on with mutant mutant is a supplement company. that's based out of Canada and uh, they're kind of relaunching their brand and uh, I'm in their marketing and I'm in their branding and their advertising space. Uh, we're now sponsoring the Arnold classic. That's coming up next weekend, in Columbus, Ohio, and then the Mr. Olympia championships on Og- on October the 7th to the 10th in uh, Florida. Uh, Tomorrow, I'm on an airplane to Hawaii. I have the Sean Ray Classic scheduled for November the 20th. I'm going out there to put some posters up, visit the gyms, meet with the trainers, meet with the athletes, and do the marketing and promotion. Hopefully, uh, Hawaii opens all the way back up in November, because right now, they're closed down because of COVID, but the show must go on. So I'm going out there. It's my fifth year of the Sean Ray Hawaiian Classic, putting that on. And I work with a couple of companies marketing uh, uh, products for Fashion Blaster uh, for Mr. Tortilla. So I'm a pitch man and uh, I'm the co- commentator for the pay-per-view for the Mr. Olympia for, I believe this will be my 19th year uh, oh. coming to pay-per-view <laughs> on Mr. Olympia.com. So I, I left the stage, but I didn't leave the sport. That is nice.
0: <laughs> so cool. That was, and I'm going to see you on Maui, hopefully on Friday, right? Yeah, I'll be on Maui on Friday. So I'll, I'll, I'll be out there for, for lunch. Excellent. Good deal. Um, boss, what's going on with you, man? What's happening in your life? Been doing
3: great. I've been waiting for an, uh, an, a new model of an O2 train. That's, I'm not even going in there, but that, that's been nine months late. So I've been going through a bunch of stress. So, what do you do when you stress? You start doing other things, you know, like the gym is going really well. So that's really nice. Uh, public speaking, I've been doing. I just came back from a trip public speaking last week and I also seminars, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of traveling uh, America. And do some public speaking and some uh, seminars all over the place and of course my own gym is working really well so that's been uh, that's been great especially um with with the whole COVID deal you know that we were still able to open our gym and and we had not one COVID case and everybody's there and by the way the the, the public speaking I always talk about habits creating good habits in life I think because that really saved my butt uh, in fighting but in everything because I have ADHD and uh, I'm all over the place, and without my habits, my good habits, that's important because bad habits, there of course, are there as well. It's very important. So I will always like to talk about creating good habits and how to do that. And uh, it's like we were talking about it before, but Sean was already saying it. You know, you it's good. You're still in the sport, and you're like you with you competing as well. And I always say, you know, whatever you received as a gift, you're going to have to give as a gift. So if they gave you some talent from above. And you're done, your career is done. It's for you to pass
0: that talent on to the next generation. Love that, man. That's fantastic. Words of wisdom for sure. Mr. Bean, don't you hate when people call you that? Sorry, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, people
1: don't know my name. I mean, that's just, it's Butterbean. But uh, <laughs> right now, I'm you. doing a lot of Comic Cons and personal appearances. And matter of fact, I'll be in uh, St. Augustine, Florida this weekend. I pack up and head down there in the morning. Um, There's a flea market I've been going to just to set up and meet and greet people. I really enjoy meeting the fans out there. And it's a tourist-type point up in Tennessee. I I meet a lot of people there. Because of COVID, I'm not able to get out as much. And a lot of the, the, the shows haven't picked back up yet. But they're starting to pick up. and I'm excited about going to Florida this weekend, that's for sure. But yeah, just a lot of personal appearances and speaking engagements like boss, a lot of children's type stuff. A lot of them got canceled, but they're starting to read
0: books. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. that. That's awesome. That's so good to hear. You know, we're getting a lot of nice comments, by the way. So everybody, mm-hmm. thank you out there. We're getting some pretty funny ones, too. So uh, keep them coming. Thanks for the, um, the entertainment on the comments and also the, the heartfelt stuff. Um, you know, for myself, I think you guys know I'm, I'm running uh, talent for Cameo these days. You guys are all on Cameo, I believe. I know that. Um, you know, what? A, my life these days, I live in on Upper Maui. At the risk of sounding weird for a second, my life is like living in gratitude these days because, you know, you guys know, I had a pretty rough run for a few years there with, you know, the back surgeries and the life and death infections and the strokes and the kidney failure and the homelessness and depression and addiction. I mean, all of that stuff together. And I, I list it. Only because it kind of became like a poor me story for myself. And, and that's not good. Feeling sorry for ourselves never helps anything. I think we all know that. And thankfully, I would say I'm, I'm out of that now. You know, with enough therapy behind me, and I still go, um, I feel good these days. And I'm just like, last night, I was thinking about this show coming up. I was thinking about my job. And I'm doing this while I'm sitting in. My beautiful living room of my funky wooden house in the forest on Maui. And Maybe Sean, you'll visit if you're here, if it works for your trip. And I'm surrounded by my four pit bulls, who I love more than anything love, on this planet. Yeah, four pit bulls. I'm
4: out. Four
0: pit. <laughs> They're super sweet. Um, I've got a nice hot socket there, and I'm like, life is amazing, and I just like appreciate everything that life has brought. And I'm happy these days. I'm working out a lot, Sean. Don't be jealous. I don't know if you can see you that know. or not. Oh, um, great. But, uh, every everything is good, and you know. And I wanted to say that too. And you know, again, it's not about poor me and check out my story. It's more about you know getting over it and realizing what you had and what you have, and keeping it in perspective. And I know everybody on this stream has their story for sure, and I'm sure we're going to be getting into that as uh, as we move through talking tough here. in that same vein, uh, when you started talking about the gratitude. I just celebrated a birthday a couple of days
2: ago, and I feel like the older we get, the more grateful we are, right? Because so many people don't get to get to where we're at in life, let alone uh, have the opportunity to kind of like tell these war stories that we're going to get into, some a little bit more deeper than others. Uh, They're seeing the finish line where we're at right now, but there's a lot of things like you were talking about, a lot of challenges, a lot of obstacles we had to overcome that we're grateful that we're here to be able to be on this platform to kind of like peel back the layers and show people that beyond the facade, we're just like they are.
1: Yeah, like Rick brought up I, I, the, I, the depression. I think I think all of us. I mean, I don't know about you, Ray, but I don't know about you, boss, but I know I've been depressed sometimes. I mean, just getting over that and letting other people know that, you know, it don't matter who you are or where you're at, you can get depression.
4: I had I'm, it once.
1: Call a friend and
0: talk to him. That's the best yeah. thing you can do. Yeah.
1: And, and I'm glad yeah. you
0: yeah. I'm, I'm so glad you said that because I mean look, like, I, I still have my moments for sure. It's not like I'm living in La La Land every day by, by any means. And it's um it's important to know what you can do rather than get stuck in it. Because God knows, I mean, I know you and I have both been stuck in it at times. And if you take even that just the slightest bit of action, whatever it is, calling a friend is usually a great thing, if not the best thing, you can do. So, hopefully, uh, we can impart some uh, some words of wisdom from our uh, life stories and experiences, as as Sean suggested.
3: Yeah, yeah. I added one, one, one. I'm always up, 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 up. And one time it was after my last fight in 2006. I was for about three months depressed, and I, I, I like suicidal, and I was like literally going, "What the heck is going on?" It was very scary because you see those commercials, you know, about people who are depressed. And they're all down and you're gonna like, come on man be be happy you know but then you realize yeah there is nothing that's the dumbest thing you can say to a person why don't you be just happy you know, no 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 it's something completely different and it got me in this it is really downward spiral and then suddenly I, you know i literally when i was thinking what if i plant my tree my, my car against this tree and i go okay dude, you gotta stop this and i started writing down the good things in life and the writing down the bad things in life and then i realized the list with good things was so much larger than all the things with the bat, And that really pulled me out of it again. But this moment, I've been, I mean, I feel for the people once I see that they are depressed because it was horrible. It was very scary.
0: It's a smart exercise to, to go through also you suggested. Yeah, I mean, there, there's like so much to talk about here. And but look, you know what I'm, I think it'd be kind of fun. So each week, and I, we, talk, we did talk about this a little bit, to be honest, not particularly now by any means, you guys also, all of us, have crazy stories. Like, boss, someday you brought up uh, my match with Hashimoto in Japan. Um, you know, 300-pound guy. When I literally thought he wanted to kill me that night. I really believe that. And <laughs> sometime I'll tell you the story behind it. It's pretty damn funny and pretty entertaining, in my opinion, at least. So, let you know, these, these war stories, I guess we would call them in, in our world. God knows we'd probably go on all day and all night with that. But I think it'd be fun maybe each episode, one of us tells a war story from our past. And uh, I'm wondering, Bean, if I could like maybe put you on the spot here and say, uh, what do you got, man? I'll throw
1: out, it's, it's not really a fight type of war story, but it's, it's kind of something that happened on the road, which is kind of funny. I mean, I don't know about how many people my wife and me have been married forever, but I've not always been faithful. I've been bad. And I mean, a lot of people know that. Um, so I'm in a fight in Japan. And I, I'm at the stage, I'm trying to, trying to stay straight and narrow and be loyal to my wife. And so at 2 o'clock in the morning, I get this call from Jeff Munson. And he's in a fight. I mean, it's he's he's in a fight. I'm jumping up, getting my clothes on, and he's, like, needing my help. And the, and the hotel's not that big. So I'm like, how can he – there's no bars open that late. So I'm like, what the hell's he got into? So I'm like, where are you at? He goes – I'm in my room. I just can't take care of my girlfriend and I need help. I'm gonna do on your own on that one. I could there's so many <laughs> bad vibes with that story right there. I don't know if you know Jeff or not, but I didn't know if you want to watch, if you wanted to help. I don't I didn't know, but I wasn't I wasn't getting involved. So when it's especially after that event I've, I've been straight, I've been I've been really loyal and 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 you know that's that's my war story for the day, I would say <laughs>
0: so so wait a second I, I want to get that i know monson J- boss i'm sure you know jeff monson better than i do. yeah and and that guy's fucking nuts and that that's that's a lot for someone in this group to say i think um yeah i like him nice enough guy but nuts um yeah. being why oh, i like Zachary him but i'm not getting trapped in a room with him <laughs> no i got it i was wondering what yeah you know, what the absolute reason was you just weren't gonna do it huh? well i guess yeah
1: i just he couldn't take care of his girlfriend that night she just kept slapping him and saying, is that all you got is that all you get? And this is what he was telling me the next day. And that's why he called me, because he figured I could take care of it. Coming
4: close. <laughs> the closer. Oh. But
1: I did not know what he had all, you know, sometimes I, I've heard stories like Jeff has little, like, you know, he's not always, he's an he's a, equal opportunity sometimes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> His stories I've heard. Oh, my gosh, that's great. Well, I am getting—I'm um, getting word from our producer that it's time for a very short break, and then uh, we'll be right back. Oh. Or maybe I'm mistaken. We'll figure all this stuff out as we go. It's good. <laughs> Who, yeah, needs Who needs a break? Who needs a break? We're—we're doing good. Talking
4: tough. The world's toughest men and women at their most vulnerable. Join Rick, Sean, Boss and Butterbean plus very special guests live every Wednesday, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, right at talking-tough.com. You could also see him on YouTube at the Hannibal TV or Rick Bassman. You can check him out on Facebook at the Rick Bassman, the real Sean Ray, and of course at Boss Rutin. Also check out Rick on Twitter and Instagram at Rick underscore Bassman. Reminder, folks, Boss Rick, Sean Ray, and Butterbean. Every Wednesday night, live 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, for talking tough.
0: Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh, and we're uh, we're back. Okay, here we are. Story to on Butterbean and I'm Rick Bassman. You know, I think what was supposed to happen there, guys, is if we don't make fun of our own technical difficulties, then it becomes um, maybe even more embarrassing than making fun of it. Uh, I think we're supposed to have a VO there, a voiceover, that reminds everybody where they can watch the show every week. Um, It is running right now live on Boss's Facebook. It's running on the Hannibal TV on YouTube, on uh, Two Man Power Trip. It's on uh, my YouTube, Um, Sean Ray, who's got a gazillion followers on Facebook, but his Facebook got hacked by somebody in Boss's home country, I understand. We'll be back on your uh, Facebook as soon as we get that sorted out. And, uh, you know, the, the goal here is to, obviously, anytime you do a show, you want to amass as large of an audience as you can. I know we have, um, you know, all kinds of ideas about stuff we want to do with the show. But in the meantime, again, just happy to be here. I love getting these comments. We're talking about a, a pro wrestling tag team comprised of Sean Ray and Butterbean. That's somebody's idea out there. Um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of fun. Yeah, I love a tag team, I'm telling you. <laughs> You? <laughs> and and we're, and we're getting lots, and I don't know if you guys are reading comments or not, we're getting lots and lots of bald comments. There's got to be, and this was not, this was not by, design by the way people out there watching uh, the whole, the whole bald thing. But I'm thinking there's got to be an endorsement. There's got to be somewhere.
2: I don't know. Awesome. What it is, hey, don't know. you know what, Rick? I, I asked Boss a question. I Were you able to catch that fight with, uh... Tyron Lee, and uh, the what you call it, dude, Paul. YouTuber.
1: Yeah. Pretty
2: so Paul. I mean, I don't know what you saw and how you saw it, but is that something that you'd want to see a rematch with?
3: No, no, I don't. I don't want to. You know, Tyron should have pulled the trigger. He was tired at the moment. Uh, Paul was, and I think that Tyron could have finished him if he would would go for it. But you know, he was just holding back. So. It's, it, if it would have been a very close fight, but no, I don't think it's a great fight to watch again. You know, I think uh, it's unfortunate because he, he was doing really well. He could have, I truly believe he could have finished the fight. That's what I think, because Tyron is so freaking powerful. I mean, if he connects a few body shots, especially when a guy is really tired, well, he's going to hurt the guy. 100% guarantee. So, unfortunately, he didn't do it.
2: Dean, what about what about Evander Holyfield and, uh was it, Dieter Belfort? Fight. Yeah, was, it's, it's a very sad thing. Holyfield should have stayed at home.
1: Yeah. Um, I thought it was a joke. It really was. Yeah. He, he had no right. And then they had to move it to Florida because uh, the commission wouldn't okay it. That should tell you something right there. And, and I don't get back when I was fighting; they wouldn't let you fight just anybody. You had to be the equal level. Right. Especially in boxing, if you wasn't the same right in the you know, the same way, the same fight level. It's like like Mayweather should never have be been able to fight Jake Paul or Paul Jake, whoever the hell that clown was that he fought. And if it was a real fight in my view, it wouldn't have went that long. Yeah. Unless Floyd Mayweather just lost it. it, it it's the boxing's gone to shit right now, I'll be honest with
2: you. Well, boss, what about uh, you know, you got what you would call it, James Tony talking fighting in mean, how many Guys are going to drop out in their 50s and, and prop them up. I mean, shouldn't somebody stop that crap?
3: Yeah, I I, I don't think it's good. That leaves a bad taste. And the, the reason why they're fighting most of these guys is because they have no money anymore. And that is the wrong reason to fight. Trust me. And you're only going to target. You're going to hurt yourself, your career and everything. You see this so many times. Like for me, everybody tells me, says, oh, my God, you left on top, you know, because I didn't lose a fight in the last twenty-two fights. He said that, that was not me. That was literally the Lord taking care of me, give me a bunch of injuries so I couldn't fight anymore, which I hated at the time. But thankfully it happened because I would have been the same knucklehead, I would have kept on fighting, and eventually you're gonna face guys half your age who are just started training when they were ten years old, And you're gonna lose. That's what you're gonna have. that's gonna happen? So now if you come back for fight for money. I just think it's the wrong reason. You should really fight because you love it, you know, and that, that changes the fight.
2: Can we say the same thing about Peter Ortiz, for example? Like he said, he, loved it, he wants to fight again. I mean, he went out in the first round.
4: Yeah. Well,
0: you know, yeah it's it's hard. It. Let, let, let me comment on this if you, guys, if you guys don't mind. By the way, Romanowski, 316, says Butterbean can beat both Paul brothers at the same time. Well, that I have no You yeah, know, they, yeah, they, they don't even weigh half as me. If you put both
1: of them, they're not even halfway there.
0: Yeah, of course I, I did. Know. Sean, but- Butterbean knows this better than anybody, myself included. But it's like th- the sport has kind of gone the way. Imagine, imagine Vince McMahon, who I like and respect for what he does. But imagine Vince McMahon in the pro wrestling business. Right. And you've got, you know, commissions are commissions, being But you and I both know that enough money and things can be played with a little bit. All of a sudden, the idea about matched abilities. Goes out the window. Right. You're Evander Holyfield, who is one of the greatest boxers of all time, bar none. Now, I'm in no way, this is, I don't mean this, but hell, if I were trained up and I were in shape, maybe I could beat Evander Holyfield in one round right now. Because he's not fighting right now. He's not a boxer. He's not in shape. They threw him out there with a week's notice, but it's a huge name. And you've got a company like Trilla, which is throwing around ridiculous amounts of money. Isn't this just celebrity he's, boxing he's, again? Is it,
4: is it boxing all over Yeah. It, that's,
1: it, him, sir? that's basically what they're trying to do is celebrity boxing again. Yeah. yeah i thought tell you what, Now, I know Mike Tyson, and Tyson right now is in shape. He's in actually fight shape.
3: Yeah. Dude, if, that's if, a if, scary if, guy. I saw him work was, out a right few now, times.
1: He's the one I'd watch if he was in a real fight.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the guy who can still fight everybody.
1: Not against a Roy Jones or somebody where they – they're, they're not allowed to hit each other. Yeah, Tyson could do serious damage to somebody.
2: Yeah. yeah. I think, I think yeah. Oscar De La Hoya uh, dodged a bullet by not fighting.
1: I think I, he did. I think,
2: I think Oscar,
1: Oscar shouldn't be fighting heavyweight back when yep. he fought. What was it? It was under light heavyweight. He was a small guy. He was 150, 160 pounds topped. Yep.
0: Yeah. And I think, and being, I, I think they'll also – I think, fake I, I think their a way. lot of it would have Nick- been – I well, a lot of, it, a a lot of it it would have been what
2: Vitor, sorry, right? Sean? I was saying that I think boxers can kind of fake it in every boxing, but you can't fake it if it's an NBA
0: match, right? Like, you, that's a whole, that's a whole nother. Subject, man. I mean, you, you potentially could, you know, on your question of De La Hoya, in my opinion, it would have been based on what Oscar De La Hoya showed up, no matter what his weight was. V- Vitor Belfort for mixed martial arts is a really good boxer. But that's yeah. for mixed martial arts. If uh, if if a prime Oscar De La Hoya showed up, he would have beaten Vitor Belfort. I
2: think Oscar could be in his prime at 48 years old and all the things he's been doing. I mean, that prime. All,
1: been- all is a heavyweight. I don't see him being.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, half he looked like he was my size. Yeah,
2: Vitor- yeah but you're talking about Oscar, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's a long way from his prime, Rick. So this, that's a big if. I don't. I'm, what I'm saying is. I don't think you can fake it in MMA. Like, you can't, you can't just use your name to go into an MMA fight the way you can go into a boxing match and pretend yeah. to that guy.
0: True enough. That's a long, long discussion. There's a, lot, there's a lot of layers to that, too. You know, yeah. Sean, what this whole Trilla thing is, is let's put on a show, let's card out big names, let's put the lights around them, and we really don't care which version of which guy shows up. I mean, we were wondering what Vitor Belfort was going to show up. At the end of his career, when drug testing became a really, really strict thing, Vitor was a shadow of his former self. And you could see this night last week that the old guy came back, even at his age, 46 or 48. I mean, boss, to me, he looked older in the face, but the the body and the movement kind of looked like the old guy to me a little bit.
3: Yeah, that's, you know, some people have that, like we're just talking about with Tyson, also. He's a, he can still do some damage to the current champions. I mean, there's one of those guys. And Vitor has the same thing. Vitor is just a very explosive guy at his uh, age. And you know what? Yes, in, in MMA. But if he fights with normal boxing gloves, for him, that feels a little bit more safe. And he's got, Fast hands, you remember all the way back. There was actually talk about him going to professional boxing yep. because he was just dropping people like left and right in the UFC all the way. He was 19 years old. I mean, uh, yeah, I always liked uh, Vitor a lot. I saw him when he when he blasted Wanderlei Silva in in, in, uh, in Brazil. You know, one straight line again, this, and he just from one side to the other side of the cage, and he was out. Thinking, oh, wow. That was pretty naughty to do that to Avedel a Vandale
0: Silva. So, yeah, always liked Vitor a lot. Your boss, I, I, was in, uh, I was in Tank Abbott's corner the night he fought Vitor. And uh, holy shit. <laughs> and, and the angle he described, Vitor actually came out of him like he was coming toward the corner where we were, you know, arranged. And uh, <laughs> we're all just wondering 10 seconds later, what the hell just happened? Because that's when people thought Tank was going to be the guy. And he yeah. just mowed him right over. Holy cow. Yeah, amazing.
3: Super teller. And also, once he started kickboxing more, Vito Belfort, and he started knocking people out with spinning back kicks to the head, high kicks to the I mean, he's a freak. He, he's a real, his athleticism is just at a very high level. I mean, when you start, Luke Rockhold, high kick in the face, Michael Bismick, high kick in the face, and even somebody with a spinning, Ushio Mawashi Yoran gears, what they call a the spinning back kick to the head. I mean, this was a guy who was a boxer, and he just learned some kicks, and then he started knocking people out with kicks.
2: I, wow! I, Let me I ask. I, I don't remember that. That's crazy.
0: tour with kid. I didn't
2: know. Rick, I'm going to ask uh, Butterbean a question about boxing. When you see the heavyweights fighting now, I mean, uh, Anthony Joshua, uh, what's the uh, Tyson Fury? Are these guys? Could you get in there with those guys being six, seven, six, eight as a boxer? And yeah, look i mean, like,
1: like I, I was like fighting taller guys. I always did. Um, because I was short, so, I mean, I had no choice but to fight the tall guys. You adapt to to learn how to fight a tall guy. So, I mean, the the hype, the hype matter really don't matter to to a lot of fighters because you adapt to fight that hype person when you're training.
2: In theory, that sounds about right, but when we watched Mike Tyson, he struggled with Buster Douglas. He struggled with Lennox Lewis, you know.
1: Yeah, in them days, he was going through some, some issues, though, I believe. Especially when he fought Buster. Yeah. Yeah. Because I fought a guy named Lewis Monaco, and I knocked Monaco out in the first round. He ended up knocking Buster Douglas out. Um. So Tyson had some, you know, back when he was talking about depression and whatnot, Tyson's had ups and downs with it. I think everybody has. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I know I had. I mean, I, I just had, you know, I'd got over 500 pounds for a while. I was kind of down. Yeah. So, I mean, when you're 500 pounds and you're like, you're not moving like you should, you got a bad hip, things will bring you down. But I mean, uh, nine grandkids and a, and a wife kicking your ass,
0: it'll get you going again. Yeah. I mean, speak, speaking of which, boss, I, I know you've been through some SHIT in your life, also, man. If um, So, someone come putting you on the spot, someone comes up to you and goes, boss, I know someone that's really suffering right now. Can you tell us something about yourself that you went through that would be relatable and then how you got out of it? That's putting you on the spot, man, but I know you can do it. Well, it's
3: – and they've been asking me more about it. It's addiction, right? Everything um, – you know, it, as, a, as a fighter, what happens is um, once you get taken away from the sport, you're going to miss that feeling. I was high at training but also high at fighting, of course. It's a natural high. And once it's been taken away and because of injury, she tried to replace it. And most of the time it's alcohol and drugs. So and then after my last fight in 2006, I didn't fight for seven years. I made a comeback. And I thought all my injuries were gone. They were for the first three weeks. And then they all came back with vengeance and then some. So I was in complete pain. And I remember because I tested positive. People go, oh, you tested positive. Yeah, that was for a painkiller. But I took that, I remember 10 o'clock in the morning, because they told me at least 10 hours it needs to be out of your system. So at least, you know, your reflexes don't slow down. And, uh, but that's where it started. Remember, it went from two pills to four pills to six pills. And I remember putting a nine with, the, you know, the for my wife, I would put a nine on the mirror. And I said, I'm not going to go take more than nine. Well, those nine become hundreds. I mean, you, you go like, really? Yeah. Well, if you take 10, 80 milligrams of oxycontin every day, that's that's 80 pills. That is like 160 Vicodins, if you think about it, the amount. It's bizarre. And I don't know how the body, but I realized by my doctor said, you know, you, your body is just really unbelievable. Your liver finds a way to break it down right away. And that's why you need more. So that's why you Vicodins, you go to oxycontin because there's less Tylenol in and it doesn't hurt your stomach. So Thankfully, within eight, nine months, I go, okay, this is not it. I got to stop this crap. So I stopped. And somebody told me to get off with suboxone. Suboxone is like the methadone, but it's you get it prescribed from the doctors. And they told me later on, and me, the idiot, I didn't know, you have to build that off within 10 days. You got to start taking less and less, and then it's good. With me, they said, no, stay on it, because this one, you don't have to take more, and it will still help with the pain. So I'm a moron. I didn't even check. I stayed on it. Now, I was on it for three and a half years. And the side effects, I mean, uh, you have no clue. I have double vision everywhere, falling asleep behind the wheel constantly. I mean, hitting myself, high blood pressure. My, my, my heart rate will be 89 in the morning in bed. So they're not even walked out. I, it was all crazy. And I said, okay, I got to stop this. And that took, me, that took me 10 days or 11 days. The doctor said he never seen anything like it in, in his life. You know what my testosterone level was? You're going to go. I said five, but he go, 500. Five. The doctor never saw anything in the life. He was like, What? And he gave it to another doctor. And he says, how, how do you get out of bed? One, two, three, four, five. That was my level. I mean, women have 80. You know, so I said, Well, it's hard to get out of bed, but I dig my coffee and I just do it. You know, that's what it is. said. That's when I realized, okay, everything is crushed. They got to stop this. And it took me 10 or 11 days. And the doctor said, He's never seen anybody do what I did. He says, Normally that is months of misery. And I said, Well, It was 10 days really hard. And you have to understand also, I took one pill of Suboxone, it was eight milligrams or something. And then I went to three quarters a half and it went so bad that at the end I would do one eighth of a pill and then one eighth every once a day. And then once I did that, then when I stopped, it was 11 days of freaking hell. It's harder, they say, to kick that than the OxyContin. That's how hard it was all the way in my bones. It completely destroyed me. But boy, for people at home, if you're on that crap, Stop it because your life will be completely new. You just have to persevere to some uh, really horrible weeks, but start building it down right now because, I mean, nothing will good. That's the thing with pain addiction, with, with, with addiction. You will never have a positive story. There's nobody who, who was addicted to something and who became a superhero or whatever it was. It only goes down, you know, and once it only goes down, well, it goes, and especially if you have a family, you're going to have to kick it. You know, yes, you have to go through hell, but... Guess what? My life is beautiful right now.
0: And, man, you know, let, ever let that settle in for a minute. Anybody out there listening, you got Boss with amazing, it's getting me. You know, I was on narcotic painkillers for 15 years, Oof. and it caused so many problems in my life. So I caused them. Let me take responsibility. I caused them by allowing myself to become addicted to these things and perpetuating yep. that addiction. And you are right, life is so much better when you're off. And I, I quit, I don't know how many times, you know what I mean, it's, it's try, stop. Word try is horrible, it's, it's a setup for failure. And as long as you stay on it, your life is like in that pit. You just have boss yeah. root and everybody out there tell you that, just stop. It sounds so simple, but think about it. Set yourself up for the hell. I, I know we get so many messages from people that are experiencing the, the same problem. Know you're going to have that help for a few days, 10 days, whatever it is. Do whatever you have to do to get into your head. You're ready to ride that out and watch what your life is like once you, uh, once you get through it. Boss, you're like such a great example of that, man.
3: You know what you should always think? You should always think this. If you have a family and you're addicted to something, imagine, I always think worst uh, uh, scenario possible. Worst scenario possible, a war breaks out. And imagine that happens and you have to defend your family and you're running out of pain medication. How are you going to protect your family? And that stuff like that in my mind, once I project that, that's it. I'm going to quit because I don't want to be in that position. You, you never know. Yeah, well, it will never happen. Yeah. Same as home invasions. That will never happen. Really? There's 2,740 a day here in America. I looked it up because it wasn't my public speaking thing one time. Over a million a year. So it does happen a lot. Two people so just be ready you know somebody comes in the house you need to be ready to defend yourself because it's not only you it's your family
0: um al i want to say something address al who just wrote to us about his daughter being addicted and saying that he wishes she was watching us al this uh this show is going to be up for replay on all the platforms you see on the uh the poster the graphic here that's boss's facebook um it's uh hannibal uh tv on youtube my youtube so please have her take a look and maybe watch next week and, uh, and write in, and we'll uh, be happy to interact with her for sure. I'll, hey, Brent, I want to set Sean up for a big question. Well, I, I was going to be a
2: fan really quick. I just want to ask the question I think a lot of people want to know is, Butterbean, how is it that you never got the chance to fight Mike Tyson?
0: Um, Sean, I have – wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm interrupting Sean on the fight questions. We're going to fight every week with each other. So here's our <laughs> first fight. We're on some serious shit right now. We're going to stay on it for a minute. Okay. We'll go back to the fight stuff in a minute. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Sean. No, wait uh, Sean just moved up into camera. Sean, come up and join I'm us again. are the best looking guy here. Come on. Maybe not. Oh, well, maybe you are, boss. Maybe you are, Bean. Um, I'll
1: Sean. tell you what, you
0: know, the, the addiction's bad for a lot of people.
1: My brother actually overdosed taking heroin and died not long ago. Well, now it's been several years back. It seems not long ago because he, he just. He buried himself in a basement. We never seen him.
0: Yeah. It's a a horrific thing. And and it's only getting worse. And we all know, you know, from our worlds, when I say our, I mean, everyone knows that Sean Ray's world is bodybuilding. Bosses is mixed martial arts. Beans is boxing. I mean, you guys are all way more than, than, you know, dimensional than that. But that's what you're known for. My main world is pro wrestling. And, you know, Sean, in that world, we had a thing we'd half jokingly call. And it's very sad. We would call it the pro wrestling diet. And as you probably know, tons of guys have dropped in their 40s. They're, you know, just dropped dead pro wrestling yeah. epidemic. And that's because the diet back in that day, you know, they would really watch their diet. So their bodies look good. But it was anabolic steroids. It was narcotic pain killers. It was alcohol. And it was okay. cocaine. And, and, and that plays hell on your heart 20 years later. Yeah. Sean, I don't know. I don't know you well enough to know how you're to react to me even ask you this kind of question, but I'm gonna ask, what's the bodybuilding world like backstage, man? What are the guys, what are the behavior like? What are the habits like?
2: Yeah, it's it is uh there's not really a common thread when it comes down to what guys are using. You know, the things that guys do uh is, is typically they have their coach or they have their team, and there's a lot of uh separation, it's not something that's a, a, a commonly spoken about. Even when I was coming up in the game, you run into the guys that you got to compete against. There's no commonalities. We didn't sit down and compare notes on what who's taking what. You kind of had to figure things out on your own. And like anything else, it's a we're, we're a sport of misfits, right? We're looking for something. We come in because we're overweight. We come in because we're small. We come in because we've been picked on. We're overcompensating for something. By doing this bodybuilding thing, trying to change who we are on the outside, anyway, sometimes it's effective changing the way you think and how you structure your life because you have to go through the routine. Like boss can relate to that—you got to re- do the routines to learn the moves, and and like Butterbean, you got to you you got to practice the jab, you got to hit the heavy bag, you got this whole routine. When the routine is broken, that's when things—the real world stuff—kind of can creep into your life, and you can go the wrong way. And in bodybuilding, you'll find a lot of athletes especially along the way when injury sets in, you get idle time. There's no contest on the horizon. The diet can go out the window. Uh, The idea that you have to be healthy and fit goes out the window. Suddenly, instead of doing these things to build up your body, you're doing these things that are tearing down your body. Instead of hanging out with the bodybuilders that are looking at getting this way, you're hanging out with your friends that are pulling you down that way. And you wind up doing things that you normally wouldn't do and you can get caught up in the wash and taken out to sea and drowned. I know a lot of bodybuilders that are not here today that started out ambitiously wanting to look their best. But somewhere along the way, they didn't feel their best. And those addictions that you're talking about, they'll suck you down. I had a brother that passed away at 52 years old. He was a lifelong drug addict. And I came up in the same house that he did. He chose to go a different way. Passed away at 52 years old. His Body couldn't handle it. Couldn't fight off the pneumonia that he got. But he didn't do anything to build up his body. It seemed like the things he was doing was tearing down his body. And, and a lifelong uh, uh, of tearing down your body, there's going to be an expiration date that's typically sooner than later. Um, I was one of the fortunate few that kind of used bodybuilding as a vehicle to get to what I wanted to do, which is what we're doing right now. I, want, I wanted to be in the commentating side. I wanted to be the promoter. I wanted to be the marketer. I felt like doing the bodybuilding would open those doors for me, and when I saw the door open... I didn't need the bodybuilding so much. So I stopped beating myself up in the gym to look a certain way. Now I go to the gym to feel a certain way. And that comes with, the, that comes with age, comes with maturity. But I isolated myself away from those bodybuilders that continued bodybuilding because I didn't want to be stuck in that space. And then, then injury would be waiting for me because we train to look a certain way. And there's things you have to do to look that way that once I was done competing, I was no longer willing to do. So I changed my activities. I changed my group of friends. I changed my outlook, started my family, and started getting involved in the things that I was using bodybuilding to actually one day do.
1: So, nice. Sean,
0: are, are you – you're in your late 50s, right? 56, uh, two days okay. ago. We're, so we're all about the same Greetings. nature. I'm a little older. Um, Sean, you know, in 92, I think it was, I, I produced a Mr. Olympia for Wayne D'Amelia at um, the Dolphin Hotel in Orlando, Florida. 91. And I remember – Dorian Yates, and Lee Haney, and Lee Labrada, and uh, Rich Gaspari, all named Tom Platts, guys that I remember from those times. Now, I have no idea what any of those guys are up to these days. I look at you. You're in great shape for 56, for any age, 56. <laughs> you're in great shape. You're a Thanks. very successful businessman also. Are you the exception to the rule? What's going on with most of the guys from that classic era?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's funny because we just had a conference call about this year's pay-per-view for the Olympia, and I drug out of, uh, out of the woodworks eight-time Mr. Olympia, Lee Haney. He's got a very successful show uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I drug out of the woodworks Lee Labrada, who started Labrada Nutrition back in 92, 93, somewhere around there right after Metrex, and he's still going very strong with his Labrada Nutrition. He'll be doing the commentating for the Classical Zeke. And another one, the Dragon Slayer, Rich Gaspari who was given Lee Haney Fitz back in the day, who's got the very successful Gaspari Nutrition. These are my contemporaries. These are the guys I'm hanging out with, commentating on this year's Mr. Olympia pay-per-view. <clears throat> there are some. Uh, when you start numerically going across the board, you kind of you start to see the guys that are kind of broken down their bodies and maybe broken down their careers and kind of disenfranchised from the business. But the ones that stayed very close to the sport, um, they were the ones that were leading the way for me. I mean, Haney, LeBron, and gaspari they're all in the hall of fame and they're all giving back in their own ways still to bodybuilding. Uh, LeBron's son is competing in the Mr. Olympia, right? So, uh, Rich Gaspari just had a kid two years ago. He's like 58 years old, popped out a baby, you know, two years ago. And, uh, Lee Haney has his second grandson and he named his firstborn, um, Olympia. His daughter's name Olympia brought her up on the Olympia stage. I remember when I was coming up behind him. So, these guys keep me accountable, right? Like I'm working with guys I came up behind, competed against, retired with, and we all went to the four corners and did our own thing. And now we're being being brought back with the common thread of talking about the Mr. Olympia. We survived. Um, there are a lot of guys that didn't make the cut and a lot of guys that are no longer with us, but I was not running with those guys. They weren't friends of mine. They weren't people that were in my wheelhouse. And and every time I see one drop and this year has been a rough year, um, I, I think, like, where did they go wrong? But I start looking back at when they were once on the top of their game, and there was probably some things they were doing that they paid the price for at a later, later age, which is early age. I mean, we, I used to think 50 was old, and now I'm 56. So I'm on the back nine. So, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to, like, make sure I stay around the people that are, like, promoting what's coming up behind us because we survived that era. Uh, but there's a lot of guys that didn't survive it because of the things they were doing.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Hey Paul, wow, man. Yeah. Do, you, do you think if uh, Sean had been with us at the Price Oil Celebrity in Destin, Florida, that we could have dragged him into the abyss? Or do you think he would have uh, maintained his manners? I don't know.
3: I was was a different guy at the time. I would have published something in his drink. (laughs) I I would have woofied him. (laughs) You know, probably would have had to.
2: Here's the thing. When you you grow up with someone that's addicted, you see the finish line. You see what that life is going to lead to, and it's not something that's fruitful. And so having my brother for as long as I did, uh, I was lucky, but it was also... I was able to look at what I didn't want to be. So maybe it drove me further into bodybuilding uh, and trying to be the best physical specimen I can be because he was just the opposite of what I didn't want to be. A lot of people don't see addiction. A lot of people don't see uh, what it leads to. You know, you got to hide your money you got to hide your valuables and you got, you're fighting over ridiculous stuff because this guy's in his addiction. Most people don't grow up with an addiction in their family. And when you've seen it up close, uh, maybe I did the opposite. I tried to go the other way. And, and in, in, those situations, boss, in a party situation, I'm very well keyed. I, I I'm surveying the room. I'm the guy that snuck out the back door when people were getting crazy, you know, protect myself.
0: Yeah. Guys, right. I have a question for each of you. I know Eric, we're getting close. You have been great so far, by the way. Now this is, this is so fun. um, <clears throat> We're getting close to an hour here already. I don't know how long we'll, we'll stay on. That's up to all of us and to our wonderful producers, uh, Rachel and John, who are keeping their uh, their fingers on the buttons here. But can you um uh, can you tell everybody out there like what what are you excited about in life right now? Whether it's professional, personal, spiritual, wh- whatever it may be, what what's what keeps you going? What's exciting right now? And
1: who's the question? Right? Oh. we there you? Are you? Yeah, yeah. talking to you, right? Oh, uh, Bean, I'm sorry. I forgot to call it Butterbean. You know, I, I'm just I'm, – I'm having fun meeting and greeting folks. I mean, I, you know, back when you're fighting, you don't – you never really got to get out and actually get to meet the people that that cheered for you. Mm-hmm. When I get – a lot of the fighters go out there and fight again, like Holyfield or some of them – a lot of them do it because they're broke, but a lot of them do it because they, they miss the attention they was getting. To me, I'd rather meet the people than instead of go out there and do it. I think a lot of. I'm I'm gonna have to have hip surgery pretty soon. The doctor, one of his main questions was, "Do you plan on fighting again?" I said, "I have no idea. I don't want to fight no more. It hurts too bad." I, especially at this age, I'm 55 now, and I mean, I can feel it every day. I mean, I used to laugh at my dad when he said it was gonna rain or gonna storm in the next couple of days. I laughed at him. But I, you can feel it in your bones. I mean, I can feel it in my back and hip when it's going to rain. <laughs> and I see Bob smiling because you know exactly what I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> hey, um, Eric, Sean's going to be on Maui uh, the day after tomorrow. Could you uh, tell us what the weather is going to be like?
1: <laughs> you no, know, I can't predict it. But if, if I'm there, I can tell you if it's going to storm or not. All right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I still want the answer, Rick, from uh, from Butterbean. I. What happened with the Tyson scenario? I mean, why didn't that fight happen?
1: You know, it's Tyson, I really don't know. Um, I actually was called before the Roy Jones people, but I got a real bad hip and I wasn't able to. I don't think I would have anyhow.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but back in the day, I don't know. Uh, Shelley Finkel didn't, you know, they didn't want to put him against anybody really good punch. Um, it's, Tyson's never had a great chin, I don't think. He was just so fast. Nobody ever really hit him solid.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And if I ever did fight him, it'd be, a, it'd be a flip of a coin who got knocked out. I've never been knocked out. The closest I've ever been, I got my bell rung one time from Cabot I got, I got kicked to the head one time, and I could actually hear bells ringing. <laughs> it's the only time I've ever had any kind of uh, effect from getting hit whatsoever.
0: Yeah, and as hard as Mike Tyson with that right cross is uh... – a shin kick to the head's a whole different ball get him, man.
3: Pretty much. Yeah. You know, you want know a freak he was It was Mark Hunt against Miracle Krocup. Ah, and he got yeah. and he got kicked full in the head, Hunt. Yeah. And he takes a knee and he gets up and he continues fighting. Like what? <laughs> you know, full shit in the face. He just went dip dip and he continued fighting. I go, okay. I never want to fight that dude.
1: <laughs>
3: people, their, I mean, like myself, I can
1: take a I, great punch. Some people can, some people just can't. And then again, if you know
0: you can't take a great punch, you, you learn to avoid them. But, cool. you know, I, I got point. I got a kind of Never got a chance a, to a funny story that kind of sort of involves Mark Hunt and Boss. You may not have heard this before, and Sean, I think you'll love this because it really shows how stuff works behind the scenes. And the story very much involves Butterbean. So. We're uh, going to the Pride show, and Pride went to Las Vegas, if you remember that. And yeah. Bean is booked against uh, Mark Hunt. And they're having trouble with Hunt's uh, visa. He's from New Zealand, Sean. And I mean, tough, tough fighter, as Boss is describing. And the Pride promoters called me. You remember uh, Yukino, Boss, the booker for Pride? Yukino, Yukino called yeah. me. Yeah. And she says, Hey, Butterbean's supposed to fight Mark Hunt may not make it. Do you have a big, colorful guy you can bring in to, to hold on reserve? So I bring in pro wrestler Sean O'Hare, who talk about crazy. Oh, my God. That's, yeah, I love Sean, but that's the story for a different day. Um, Sean is 6'5", jacked to the gills, looks very, very theatrical-looking dude, great character, halfway <laughs> decent fighter, better as a pro wrestler. Okay. So they're like, we'll pay Sean $3,000 to just come hang out in Vegas. Like, great. So we go, they put us in nice hotel rooms. They give us our our per diem. And sure enough, Mark Hunt's visa falls through. So I get called, will Sean fight Butterbean? Well, yeah, that's what we're here for. We already know the purse is $30,000. That's great. Sean's like, okay, 30 grand, I'm happy. So the day before the fight, I get a call from, uh, I'm sorry, the day before, I get a call from Yukino. Oh, Mr. Asaki Kibara, he's the promoter. Uh, Sean, very much tied to the Yakuza in Japan, which is the, their version of the mafia there. And yeah. uh, Yukito says, Mr. Saki Kibara would like to see you up uh, in his suite. Okay. So I go up to the suite, and you know the setup boss. They got all yeah. the, they got the good, you know, 28 year old scotch out the whole nine yards. And um, Yukito says, Saki starts to talk in Japanese. Yukito translates, Oh, well, Saki Kibara was very excited about the Mark Hunt Butterbean fight. I'm like, okay, yes. It would have been a very, very exciting stand-up fight. Okay. Oh yeah, Mr. Guevara really wanted to see a stand-up fight only with Butterbean. So now I'm thinking, are they asking me to ask Sean to not try to take Butterbean down? Because the only chance in hell he has, and even still wouldn't have much of a chance. So I'm like, are you asking Sean to stay on his feet? They said, yes, we are. I said, so... (laughs) So already sean the fix is in right this is a real fight and um i said well okay and you can't really say no to that boss you know how that is right? <laughs> <laughs> you know? so i'm like how about if you pay sean an extra ten thousand dollars they're like okay no problem all right done so i call sean and i tell him what's up and sean's like and he's Sean's a pro wrestler so he's used to the, the machinations and whatnot so sean first for about one minute is all excited about making 40 grand. And then you see the sw- as you see switch in his face. He's like, oh my God, I'm gonna get fucking killed, aren't I? And I'm like, he goes, you're friends with Butterbean, right? I go, yeah. He goes, can you please talk to Butterbean and ask him not to punch me in the face? So I'm like, I'll ask him. So I go to Butterbean and I have the conversation with Bean and Bean's super cool about it. He goes, that's fine, Rick. Just tell Sean I could get really mad if someone kicks me in the face, and then I can't really promise what i will do or won't do, right? So, okay. <laughs> so Sean is like, great, he feels good. He's like, fuck it, no way. I'm winning this fight. Let's go out to dinner. We go out to dinner with our newfound wealth. We went through like three bottles of great wine for dinner. I got shit faced the night before the fight. Go out for the fight. What happens? They're squared up. Sean comes across the cage, boom, kicks Butterbean right in the face. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Oh my God. It was like a near decapitation in center ring. Bean just pounded him into oblivion and in no time left. <laughs> <laughs> 40 grand. We have some more wine and that's the end of the story.
4: Anyway. Nice. <laughs> nice. Oh, a
3: really fun, real fast story about Saki Kabara. So, I'm a, my buddy Holt McElhaney, right? He's the lead actor for Mind Hunter, the show on uh, on Netflix. And um, he, um we're standing in the elevator. This is 4 o'clock at night or something. And the elevator door opens. We just came back from partying. And the elevator opens and Mr. Saki Kabara walks in. Now, Holt doesn't know it's Mr. Saki Kabara. <laughs> and he stands there and he looks at Saki Kabara and says, wow, that's a nice T-shirt you're wearing. And he goes to Saki Kabara, he grabs the shirt, and he pulls the tag out like this to see what brand it is. And I go like... You know so I look at Saki Kabara. I go like he says, No, 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 it's fine, but that's the guy you do not want to do this to, of course, <laughs> because of the connections that they have. So when he left the elevator, the door closes. I look at dude, that was Saki Kabara. And he goes, Oh, no, 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 am I gonna die? I said, I don't know, I think it's okay, <laughs> but he pulled it like this, you know, like he pulled it just like what whip? Let's think, it. Oh, it's a nice shirt, yeah, okay, thank you.
0: And the guy was like, Oh. Shit. Uh, man boss maybe next week we can tell about the time that uh, me and you and Tank and Alan Goas and Gary Goodridge and Mark Coleman and Mark Kerr and Ken Shamrock went to the Olympic Gardens in Las Vegas maybe we can tell that story next week
3: yeah (laughs) (laughs) we'll see about that it's going to be a lot of living here
0: oh
2: man was there one guy, boss, for you? Was there a guy out there that you just – you wanted to fight They just couldn't make the fight, like someone you just wanted to, to get a hold of and they didn't make the fight for you?
3: No. Thankfully, I never had that. You know, there was a few guys that I really wanted to fight, like, but not because of bad blood or something, like Fader or Million Anker. They offered me one time. I was just – and that was – but I already retired, but I go, like, good. Just going to distance with a guy like that, I would love to see because, you know, just as a test. You know, this was not, and of course, i mean, in my mind, I'm gonna win because you have to. As it people always say, What are you gonna do against him? I say, I'm gonna win. They go, Oh, you're pretty sure. So. I say, as a fighter, I think it's really bad to think that you might lose. Like yeah. it's not a great way to you always have to think like that. If it's not gonna happen, that's of course the question. But that that was the only guy, Hicks and Gracie. Um, they always thought we had bad blood, but we never had bad blood. I just saw him rolling on the ground, and I go, like, dude, that could be the best guy ever on the ground. So I would just wanted to see if I could hold up against him. So you see, so but never personally. No, thankfully I never had that.
2: Yeah. yeah I, I think they you. say you kind of – it's a little bit harder, but when you're, like, you, you fight out of the challenge, uh, you know, you, and you don't hate your co- opponent, you it elevates your game.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hating is, like – that's why I try to make my opponents angry, you know, because then instead of punching like this, they're going to punch like they load up. You know, they start telegraphing. So that's most of the time the reason when I start digging little things. But I do it very, you know, I'm just, I undertone. Because if I say, yeah, no, he's a great fighter, I'm just a little bit better. But, you know, and if I just say it like that, that's the only thing my opponent hears. Even when I mumble it, he goes, what what did he say? What did he say? You see, and that's what I want because then they get angry and then you can capitalize on their mistakes. Yeah, you think Conor
2: McGregor's gone overboard like it's, it's gone way too far. Like, it's a sh- I mean, it's almost way over the top of that. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I, yes, I'm a big the,
1: most, of that, most of that, the promoters, all, it's all show on that. A lot of it is.
0: So like,
3: yeah, but, not- but for Conor to start attacking family members and stuff like that, I, I, I don't think you should do. But that's uh, my thing. Hey, Sean,
0: who, who would have been the – who's Money. the strongest bodybuilder? Who would have been the best fighter amongst the pro bodybuilders? In terms of fighter? Yeah. Flex Wheeler. I
2: mean, Flex was a martial artist when he came in, right? And he kind of kept it up throughout his training. He was he was one of those practicing guys. And, and I, I kept pushing all the right buttons. Luckily, I didn't push him to the point where he actually got a hold of me. But um, I think he, he would know how to fight. Like, that's what he practiced. And, you know, Ronnie Coleman wasn't in there hitting a bag, right? I mean, nobody was in there rolling around on the ground. But I think Flex wanted to fight just to see if he still could. I know Chris Cremere was a wrestler and Chris, yeah. wrestlers never forget how to wrestle. I don't care how long it's been. You get in, you get in with a wrestler. I mean, the big guy like that, it's like wrestling with a Python. So I never rolled around with Chris and, but most of the guys, they just weren't fighting. It's not in our sport to where you can like, yeah, you, there's a lot of testosterone and a lot of ego, but there are very few actual fights, right? Like most of the guys yeah. can't fight. The last thing you want to do is, is get hurt, mess up your moneymaker, which might be your face. You know, because there's there's a modeling component taking photographs. But it just our, our sport really didn't take us to the point of, of fisticuffs.
0: Has there ever been a major brawl backstage in a Mr. Olympia?
2: Not at a national contest. You've seen some guys break the trophies like Killer Craig Titus. Um, you know, he's he's thrown his trophy and smashed it. He's gotten a fight at Gold's Gym. And of course, he's, you know, convic- he's a convicted murderer right now. I mean, so there's something was off in his head. Um that you knew kind of these little things would lead to someplace bad. But no, I, I, and I was around for a long time. I never saw two bodybuilders size each other up and actually go at it. Like that that would mean anything.
0: I I always wondered about that. Chris Cormier came into my uh, pro wrestling gym to train for a week once. And you could tell the guy was a real deal for sure. Yeah. He was a wrestler back in the day, but you know, I want to say a word about Flex Wheeler. If he happens to be watching or watches another time, this is a guy that I, mean, I really admire, Flex Wheeler, man. The guy oh. has been through it also. You, you probably know him a lot better than I do. Sean, he had yeah, a leg Rick. amputated not Rick. long ago. And this guy is on his game. He's got his head on straight. He's Uh-oh.
3: I think he's frozen.
1: Rick's frozen, but he was he's talking done. about Flex. He's on he's on on. Crazy for some reason. Yeah,
3: he's frozen, but oh, he was, I was he, doing the frozen face. I, I said, see, I've seen it before,
1: Bob.
3: He's, <laughs>
2: he's talking about Flex Wheeler. Who just, he just got out of the hospital. He went in for some touch-up, bricks back. But Flex has been through a lot. If we want to talk about a guy that's had to battle depression, he'd lost a kidney, he lost his leg. And, of course, this is the guy that was on top of the world this far away from actually winning the
0: Olympia. He'd be a great guest to come on and talk
2: real real-life stuff with us.
0: Go ahead, Rick. Welcome back. We'll we'll, we'll have Blex on for sure if he'll if he'll come on. We'll definitely invite him on. Absolutely. Um, yeah, your point. before you got cut off. We lost you. Well, I
1: guess next week one thing we really need to do is answer some of the questions people's asking us. We got to set a lot a lot of time aside for that. I think I think that's important. I don't know what y'all's thoughts on it are.
3: Yep, I love okay. that, too. We'll let Rick lead that. Yeah, maybe I, that's that's you know, a great idea for the next show. Actually, you know, just to answer the the we, we all answering questions from people. See what it is. so wait maybe with the guest and, and do that.
0: That's kind of cool. Yeah, I wonder if we're able to do any Q and A right now. I get, you, you probably guys got a you got a note from Rachel probably. I did our producer. Yeah, I see we I have, have questions partners, in private yeah. chat, and I'm not really sure how to do that. Boss, do you know we have questions in private chat? I can see the question.
3: If we okay, say one more yeah. time.
0: I, I, I'm understanding. Well, that come one more time, Eric. Question you question. dropped away. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm cutting out, unfortunately, guys. I'm sorry. I don't know why. Um, yeah, the question. Well, but I mean, I, he's frozen again, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Rick's
1: just it out.
0: Yep. Sorry. but I, Sorry. Think, I
1: think we should leave that till next week to, to, to focus on the people asking questions. So I've noticed questions throughout the whole, the whole talk, which would have been great to be able to throw them in. We'll have to set a time lock to do that.
0: You know, I agree. I agree. I think that's a great idea being, yeah, well, guys, everybody out there watching, we'll take lots of questions next week. Um, I, I want to thank all over the house, everybody who did watch, who put some great comments up tonight. Um, this show will be available on replay on all of our platforms. We'll be adding, uh, Sean Ray's, uh, Facebook platform soon. You can see, uh, special cuts of this on Butterbean's explosively growing TikTok. I still can't get over Bean and TikTok. I just, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around it and I love it. It's got millions of views on his TikTok. Um, (laughs) guys, this is great. This is, this has been so fun. Um, I, I don't want to have the last word. So I'm going to say one last thing and then leave it to you guys. Boss Rutan, Sean Ray, Butterbean, thank you so much for being part of this. This is awesome. I love the bonding session. Thank you guys. All right. We'll see you next week.
1: Hey, guys, that's all I can
0: say. We'll see y'all next week.
4: Aloha. Talking tough, the world's toughest men and women at their.
0: Let me tell you something you already know